Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider, where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, Cinema Super Collider, we look at the 1978 space opera, Star Crash, continuing our Marjo Gortner month. That's right. This one stars Marjo Gortner. Though, build first. Marjo I know he's built first. It, it really doesn't feel like he's the star of this movie, though. He doesn't have more star power than uh, Christopher Plummer does. No. But Christopher, you know, you could have given him an and credit for Christopher Plummer. Well, I thought he was like, he was the last guy in the, in the, he was the, and Christopher Plummer as the emperor. Oh, okay. He did get like an yeah. and credit. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So because Christopher Plummer's in it. David Hasselhoff is in it. And, and uh, Caroline Monroe is in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, let's see, what's uh, the other dude's name? Joe Spinell. Right. Uh, who's been in a lot of really interesting things and is quite a character. Well, and, and oddly in enough. In real life. Oddly enough, both he and Carolyn Monroe are in a movie that came out a year or two after this one called Maniac, which was then remade many years later. Uh, same title, but with Tobey Maguire in it. Yeah, Maniac was one of the uh, most uh, violent movies that uh, I think Roger Ebert walked out on. Really? Uh, Siskel and Ebert both said it was the worst piece of trash. It was just absolute gory, violent nonsense that uh, it was it was so panned, Maniac. I would actually recommend. I'd actually recommend both of them. I think I like the Tobey Maguire one slightly better. But the original one is kind of sweaty and gross, and yeah, it has I like a, the original one better. Yeah, it has a real like just nastiness to it that you you would get in like the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, Joe Spinell is an interesting character with an interesting face, and yeah, he's one of those guys with that face. Yeah, his face is way too interesting to be a leading man or uh, uh, even star in a movie, uh, unless he's a psycho killer. So. You know, and, they, and he was. And he was. <laughs> Not in real life, but he became uh, a psycho killer for the movies and, and mostly in Maniac. But, but in we're not Star here. Crash. It's Star Crash time, yes. And as Eric mentioned, it is a space opera. It came out the year, well, it came out in Italy the year after Star Wars was released. And then the following year, it was released in the U.S. So this is one of those infamous, like, we, we did it in Italy, and then we brought it to the U.S. and just overdubbed all of the Italian people. Right. And it was chasing a little-known movie called S- Star Wars. Right. So, it, you it, know, it, it, it had to live up to the, the standards that Star Wars set. Well, and this is one of those Roger Corman films as well. So, you know, good old Raj was like, oh, that, that's Star Wars. The kids like that one. I want a movie like that. And so he went to the director of this one. And was like, hey, Luigi, the director of this this movie is Luigi Cassi, who also did another one or two movies that we've talked about on the show. 
Because I know we definitely did uh, the Lou Ferrigno Hercules movie, and then I believe also the sequel to it. Oh, yeah. I know we did the Lou Ferrigno one. Right. Well, they, they did two. <laughs> you don't remember. I they may did... not remember the second one. You know, the, the one... Well, they filmed them at the exact same time, so it didn't yeah. really matter. <laughs> yeah. The most important thing was that little, little squeaky guy who was his friend. Right. That uh, uh, character voice, voice actor dude. So Roger Corman was like, hey, uh, Luigi, I want a, a space movie like the Star Wars that the kids like. Make one for me. And so they took, they didn't, he hadn't actually seen the movie yet, the director, who was also the writer, and was like, well, I have the novelization of Star Wars in my library, so I guess I'll read it and then I'll make a movie like it. Would you say this movie is like Star Wars other than it happens in space and there's an emperor? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that it's like Star Wars. It's, uh, uh, it's, it has similarities to Star Wars in that they're trying to hunt down a person and, uh, at a one royal point, person, a royal person. And at one point they're trying to hunt down a royal person during Star Wars. Although, you know, it's not much of a hide and seek. It's kind of, they find her right away. Right. In this case, that's the whole plot of the movie is trying to find some guy. Up until the very end, and then there's a climactic sort of battle finish. Right. It, it, and there is, in fact, what is called a star crash. There is a star crash. It really, I was saying, it really missed like Red Leader 1 and Jack Porkins. It would have been much better with those guys in it. For, for a movie about... Copyright Lucasfilm. For a movie about like warring factions and stuff like that, it, it didn't have a very big cast. No, it didn't give a sense of warring factions, and that's how the movie tried to wrap itself up with like, oh, the universal war is over. And it's like, we didn't see any war. All we saw was like a few people fighting another few people in order to, to carry out some mission. Mm -hmm. So what was that mission, Megan? Well, originally the mission was to find the hidden planet of the evil count, not Darth Vader. He's an evil count with a mysterious planet who has uh, monsters that he controls, or at very least the monsters are near the planet that he controls. It's confusing as to what the monsters are there for. He, the evil count, not Darth Vader, wants to take over the empire of the universe, but our plucky uh, scoundrels are going to find the planet, and in doing so, they're also going to track down the Emperor's missing son, who was exploded on a spaceship. Or was he? Or was he? We don't know yeah. yet. Yeah, but the, before the credit scene, we see this... this uh, <laughs> we this, see nothing, really. Well, well, this, we see this this, this this star ship fly by. It's so impressive, guys. And, yeah, it's going to uh, crash into some planet or other, and like three escape pods get off it. Right. And then it explodes. <laughs> Now, in form of star crashing, I suppose. When we say impressive starship, we mean somebody went to the local hobby shop and they purchased all of the models, half of the models. It's hard to say. And then they just took all of the pieces and just sort of glued them all together. I think they did a perfectly adequate job if you were making a B-level movie that was... Uh, uh, you know, from maybe 10 years earlier than that. Sure. You know, if somebody had, had done it that after Star Wars, though, it looks really, really cheap. Yes. When it's well lit 
and uh, the, the the camera effects don't give it the sense of largeness or no. anything. It makes everything look like a little model. And I love models. So do I. I, I mean, mean they, they look great when they're photographed properly, but these were not. That was my favorite part of being a theater designer. I loved making models. It was great. And then it was like, we don't do that anymore because we have computers. And I was like, fuck, this is the thing I like the best. Yeah, no computers here for this one, though. No, there's definitely not any computers. And there was one point when we we were watching the movie and one of these starships went by. And I was like, that is a tape dispenser. Literally stuck to the side of this spaceship is a taped, like a, yeah. a, an adhesive tape dispenser. Yeah, there were, yeah, there, there were recognizable doodads spray cans it's like uh, in mystery science theater the or the old episodes where uh, they had all that stuff glued on the walls mm-hmm. uh just random things i think there was like a toilet lid on one of them and there was yeah uh, but was, you know, i mean that was the stuff. point though yeah that was the whole it was, thing it was supposed to look junky like this and this is the, like the original junky looking oh stuff my gosh. it's just so bad yeah yeah it kind of was but but yes, Unfortunately, the, the people who were making the movie were very enamored with what they were doing. I think my explanation was they saw Star Wars and said, wow, people are going to sit still for 10 minutes and watch spaceships fly around. We could use 10 minutes of padding. We could make some fake spaceships. Mm-hmm. That'll be great. We never knew. Yeah. We thought we'd have to have a story and everything, and it doesn't have to be that way. It just rescue somebody and show a lot of spaceships. Right. But the spa- equals money. The, <laughs> the spaceships, like even to, like even in the opening credits sequence, right? Like like before the big the big scroll happens and everything, they show the little space pods like coming off of the spaceship to escape the, the big planet crash or whatever the hell's going to happen. Explosion booms, uh, and you see that there's a black like dowel rod that they've attached to them so that they can, somebody underneath the set or behind like the the panel could like lift it off of the top of the little spaceship and make it fly away. But you could see it on the camera. Yeah, it's like seeing the strings holding the flying saucers in an Ed Wood movie. Mm -hmm. But this is a $4 million movie. Yes. So Uh, if you put it, if you just say at the beginning, this is a $4 million movie that was made in the 70s. You can think about like what level of production you're going to get from four million dollars. I mean, you you take it up. Star Wars cost, but it was more than four. Well, it's definitely more than four million dollars. But and and you also have to like take it up to four million. But then it's Roger Corman, so you've got to take it down to four million. And allegedly, the filming on this took place over the course of like six months. And they had to keep stop and starting the actual filming because like money would run out, and then they'd have to like send people off. Go find money. You couldn't have money instantaneously in those days. No. So they could go get, get, you know, I get to buy this thing on credit. It's like, no, your credit's no good here. No. What do you mean? I'll get my credit limit raised. But, well, that involves calling somebody and talking to somebody. And then right. gotta, there's got to be a banker. And then he's got to, like, flip some switches on a giant computer with cards and, like, reels spinning around. You know, like, remember the computers from the 70s? Yes, with the tapes. Yeah, they were the size of a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You'd have a whole room full of them? No, actually, I think in those days, your your credit limit and stuff was probably typed out and written down on a sheet of paper somewhere. And that was, you know, it's not like data was stored in computers in those days. Mm -hmm. It had to be stored, like, you know, pencil and paper. Yes. Now, one one impressive thing that we must note about this film, even though all of the models are cheap and the filming was cheap and the money would run out, is that it does have a fairly remarkable score. And that is because they did manage to get 
and a person of note to do their score. They asked uh, Mar- Marconi to do it first. And you know, yeah. Yeah. And he said, no, fuck you. But then they went to John Barry, who's a very well-known and uh, uh, critically acclaimed composer. Most notably, he did like a ton of the James Bond soundtracks or scores, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he won Academy Awards for Dances with Wolves, uh, Out of Africa, which this score from Star Crash ironically sort of fed into. And then I think he also he he won for Born Free, which is the movie about the lion, right? Lion? Yeah. It's about a couple a lion. of lions. Couple of lions. It's no roar though. It's no roar. No, no. definitely not a roar. Uh, and there's one other one. It doesn't matter. But so award winning composer. So we've got that going for us. Um, and so the music is is actually pretty well done, and it sounds really good. It sounds like a movie, right? Yeah, the 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 music, the score, I think is pretty good. I'm not a good judge of uh, you know orchestral music, and I you know I'm not I can't speak to the nuances of of how it's composed or what it sounds like, but it does fit the action in the movie, uh-huh. and it is played by an actual orchestra. There's, it's not some synthesizer score that we see in some cheapy movies. Uh, there's no, there's nobody caught in a tailspin in this movie for a long, long time. It's the, the music is, it's, it's Star Wars music. Yeah, you know, it's that, it's that type. It's just if you took like John Williams and like, like subtracted maybe like twenty five percent of his talent. And then you get this guy. I don't know about that. I think John. I think John Barry did perfectly good. I think that. I think the scores that that he's known for are are, are of quality. They're, and the, look, the, there's the, one the John. Movie, the movie enhances the score as well as the score enhancing the movie. Right. Yes. You good know, point. We would not re- remember the movie from Star. The music from Star Wars unless we liked the the movie, movie. Star Wars. Sure. And I, you, have you seen some of the original cuts from Star Wars before they sort of re-edited it? When they had the first uh, sort of scenes on Tatooine filmed, uh, no. Oh, it, it's a really it it looks worse than Star Crash. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's a fine line between great and trash. Everyone also, except for Christopher Plummer, I have to admit, everyone kind of looks sweaty in this film. And maybe I've just been watching a lot of movies where people were sweaty in them, but like it seems like it seems like nobody had air conditioning in the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, that was a luxury, especially in Italy. I you know. You probably don't have it there now. Yeah, and like some places. of the people in this movie are not wearing very many clothes. Now, a lot of the people in this movie are wearing a lot of like leatherette and pleather costumes, which I have to imagine smelled awful by the end of filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this universe, all of the men wear head-to-toe leather outfits. That's what you wear if you're imperial. Yeah. Well, the movie itself starts out with... Acton and uh, Stella Star. Stella Star. Which means star star. It does. It means star (laughs) star. It means star star. Yeah. Uh, So they are, they're basically like uh, space bandits. Are they stealing things? Are they just causing trouble? It doesn't, it, no one has explained this. They're, They're charming, roguish bandits right, of space. Right. We've got two Han Solos and no right. Lukes. Right. And Caroline Monroe is... Rrr. Yes, they've dressed her for the first half of the movie in nothing, except for basically a bikini, which sometimes has straps and sometimes doesn't. But what it always has is a magnificent space collar. A collar and boobs. Well, the boobs are, I mean, that's a given. Yeah. 
Now, Carolyn Monroe was also a Bond girl in a movie that came out the exact same year. So I think she had finished, I think it was The Spy Who Knew Me? <laughs> the Spy Who Loved Me. Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, don't, I don't watch the Bond movies so much. But uh, yeah, so she's, you know, she's Boobs McGee, basically. Yeah. That Bond movie had a Lotus Esprit car and it was really cool. Yeah. I, think it was, I think it was an underwater car too. It turned into a submarine. Oh, in that one. Well, that's fancy. Yeah. I no, think Caroline Monroe is a real looker. No, and, she's very, um, she's very good looking. And uh, a capable actress, mm-hmm. I would say. Yep. And Acton is, of course, is played by the great Marjo Gortner. Underrated, underappreciated wonderful star of stage and screen and churches and and music albums everywhere well, marjo it, gortner there's a thing about marjo gortner that i kind of love too like in in any of his roles he always has the same hair like he's playing a, an alien i guess in this movie it's unclear they don't really establish whether or not he's an alien or a cyborg or whatever oh he's got curly beautiful blonde he's just hair. got the most 70s curly like like blonde cascade of hair like a roger daltrey hairdo right it's really just like untamable curls or or even robert plant i mean he had it in the documentary that we saw he had it in viva knievel he has it in other movies i've seen it and and let's assume it's hot and humid where they're filming because you said well it's in italy and everybody's and everyone is sweating now imagine trying to style his hair some other way that is true in that sort of humid condition well that's what weeks are for yeah well, they wanted him to be uh, like an ugly monster in a lot of like latex makeup or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, he put his foot down. He's like, I'm fucking Marjo Gordner. Don't tell me what I'm going to wear. Just imagine the power of a 1977 Marjo Gordner. Yeah. I'm not going to wear your makeup, well, Roger Corman. At that point, this dude was like really hip. He's like smoking weed and hanging out with the hippies and doing all kinds of crazy. I don't know that he was smoking weed. He was, but he Eric was, was there. <laughs> I was there. He was there. I was there. Him uh, and Marjo, they were just hanging out. Marjo, yeah. Hey, Marjo. Marjo could be my dad, my secret dad, my movie dad. Anyway, so th- those two uh, uh, are in this ship, and they're coming out of hyperspace, right? Sure. Into regular space, mm-hmm. which is filled with all Christmas lights of all the colors of the rainbow. Space is amazingly colorful in this movie. Yeah. You know how they did also on MST3K? They did the, the space lights. It was just... Uh, is Christmas lights, yeah. you know, stapled to a, a background. This, they used colored Christmas lights mm-hmm. stapled to a background. And like balloons for the planets. It yeah, seemed like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they, I think that they were somehow like animation enhanced or there was, it was some sort of a, a process because they sometimes had like fuzzy edges. A little bit. There must have been a little bit of computer animation because like hyperspace when they went through hyperspace. No, I think it was hand-drawn animation. Oh, you thought just, that was hand-drawn? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I think I'll, it, there was no computer animation in those days to, to worth anything. I mean, shitty computer animation. No, there was no shitty computer animation okay. in those days either. That you was, say so. Yeah, that was hand-drawn. It was just it a, was com- bad. a composite shot. <laughs> it was shot. really bad. It was a composite shot, which is, you know, and, and the art they used was of... Mm, poor quality. <laughs> look, they look they they bought lunch for the cast, and then they had twenty five dollars left over, and there was a kid with a pencil, and they were like, yeah. "Here you go, kid." Yeah, there's no computer. It was just uh, like they spent all that money on an airbrush, and it's like, "Oh, I can use an airbrush. I can make color gradings. I'll make this planet red fading to yellow mm. with a little stencil, a little circle stencil." And that was their planet, you know. Yeah. And the they come out of hyperspace, and they're about to crash to a neutron star. Oh my god! It's a neutron star. So they like jettison half their their spacecraft. 
Right. And they're like, yay, we survived. Hooray. High fives. And I'm like, but half of your spaceship just went into a neutron star. Yeah, they really wasted the possibilities of, oh, my God, there's a neutron star. And then you have like a siren playing and then they're fiddling with the controls and it's like it's getting hotter and hotter in the the spaceship. It doesn't have to get hotter and hotter in the spaceship because they're already sweating bullets. Well, you know, the two of them are hot enough for the Mm, spaceship. That's true, I guess. But you i mean that's where the music comes up i mean that's what that would have been exciting right it would have yeah and it's just like oh a neutron star oh let's eject from the rest of the so they're in like the the like like the saucer section of the enterprise or something basically it's like yeah the control area of like a big ship mm-hmm. and you know i don't know if we ever see the whole big ship that they have like briefly yeah it kind of looks like a taco yeah, it's kind of unremarkable. Mm-hmm. There's some there's some remarkable ship designs later on that we need to talk about, but it's kind of unremarkable. And they escape the neutron star, which is green for some reason. I, I don't uh, know. You know, in I their don't... universe, a neutron star is green, and they it was a gravity well, and they were able to escape the gravity well. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Hooray! And then they high five and talk to each other and tell each other who they are. Right. And, and I'm still a star, and I'm a space bandit, and we just got away, and we're going to avoid the cops this way. One of them is a space cop robot. Named L. Like E-L-L-E. Yeah. Yeah. L like L McPherson. Except it's not it's not a lady cop. It's just a tin can, basically. Yeah, it's a tin can cop with some sort of phony cowboy accent. Yes. Which is extremely annoying. <laughs> and his head legit looks like a penis. I mean, like Wow, I didn't really think about that until just the second. Oh, I was make, make, mentioning it many times while we were watching it. I guess I was just allowing those comments to float above my head. <laughs> just to fly, fly yeah, away. Yeah, no, it's extremely penis-shaped head, which is sort of odd and distracting, to me anyway. I thought he was more Rotor-like to me. Well, I you know, he's whatever. Yeah. And the other guy has a penis-shaped head, too, but it's only because he's a bald man, played by Robert Tessier. True. Who's in a lot of B-movies and horror movies and sci-fi movies, action movies. He's another guy with a face. Well, yeah, he's that face you want to punch. Yeah, he was, I mean, he, he's been in so many, like, low-grade action movies and stuff as the heavy. But I think, I think actually the most notable film that people probably have seen him in is he was in The Longest Yard. Yeah, the early longest year. Yes, the right. the original. Yeah, with Richard Keel and, and mm-hmm. the, the, well, and Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, of course. Yeah. yeah, we did the longest yard. I think we did the we did both of them once before. Oh, did we? I'll I don't to, remember. I, l- I love that first. Movie. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. So yes, so they 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 run away successfully, but then they decide to take a little side quest because there's this there's this derelict spacecraft that's just floating. Yeah. And well, so, that seems like an adventure, right? right that's an Just adventure. Go to the, like adventure. So, of course, our plucky heroine Stella Star is like, "I'm going to go in- investigate this without any, you know, idea of I'm why." Just go to swim through space. That's how she gets there. She She's swims. Like, yeah, she just like coils up her legs and jumps and mm-hmm. just like floats through the space. Eric, that's how you do it. I'm not saying you couldn't do it that way. I'm just saying that would be like more dangerous than I think you would want to try. Well, she's a plucky adventurer. Well, yeah, she she is likes to. If there's a risk, she's going to take it. I also am sort of amused by the number of times in this film because, like, Marjo Gortner and and uh, Carolyn Monroe are they're supposed to be like a team, right? They're like the like the best uh, spaceship captain and the best navigator. They're like the team, and every time there's something to do, Marjo's like. 
all right, you go do that. I'm going to hang out here and fiddle with some knobs on the old uh, instrument panel. Yeah, and I hate to say it, but I think Marjo Gortner is kind of a more dynamic actor and could be... I think he was misused in oh, this. Oh, very much he so. He would have been very good going out and exploring space and stuff. It's just he doesn't look like Carolyn Monroe in a half-naked suit. I mean, he I would mean, have been... like Barbarella suit. You he know? would have been so much better even as the villain in this piece. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. not to, not to you know, not to take away from good old Joe's performance, because I did enjoy him just... He just screams every line in this movie. You know what the kids would call him today? They would call him extra. He was really extra. Oh, my God. He's so great, though. They gave him a cape, like a long velvet cape that obviously had clearly been taken out of the package right before they started shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Spinell steals the show, but we're not there yet. We're, we're in, not we're, there yet. I know, not, but I want to get there because he's, yeah. he's, I think, one of the best characters in the movie. Um, he looks like he's having the most fun, that's oh for sure. He just there's an entire sequence where they're having a battle and he just points and and yells kill. <laughs> like <laughs> shoot, shoot, kill, kill, shoot. Yeah. Oh yeah, Joe Spinell. But she goes to this derelict spaceship and, and she, she finds, finds a dude. Yes, right. A, like a hunky dude. So she wraps him up and they drag him back to the How? How does she get him she back? She swims through space with but, him. But he doesn't have a spacesuit. Well, how yeah, I, you know it, I did. It, you could withstand space for a little while, I suppose. <laughs> it's you know, a, a just small in a swim, s- swimming distance. It probably fucked up his ears. And, oh, you know. that doesn't sound good. I mean, you know, I thought we learned from Total Recall that like your eyeballs pop out. And oh stuff. yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, that was good though. That was good effect in that. They use that a lot. Uh, yeah, we don't know. It's, it, it, don't ask. Don't I know. ask. Don't I'm, tell. I'm thinking about it too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. You are. I know I am. But I, I did ask that question when it happened. I was like, how, how is she going to? Okay. All right. So they bring him back on board and he's like, I'm insane because his brain got squished by monsters. Doesn't make sense. But that's what happened. He's in shock. They've determined. And this little side quest of going and rescuing him off of his derelict spaceship allows the cops to catch up with them and arrest them for space... Space crimes. Space crimes. They're taken to space court where a floating space head with tentacles gives them their sentences. Which is hard labor. Hard labor. I guess that's like, I feel like that is the motif in all space operas, science fiction movies. Like, we're just going to give you a hard time on some planet moving rocks. Yeah. Acton was sentenced to like 400 years and Stella Star was sentenced to life in two different places. Yeah. Uh, like lifting stones in a bikini. Right. <laughs> was her job. That was her job. Because up to this point, she's basically wearing knee-high boots and a leather bikini, with or without straps. And, of course, the fabulous collar. Oh, man. Yeah, her collar, first collar was, like, lined in red. So, yeah, we have red collar, lined in red. Then we had, like, extended lapel, like, pointy, almost biker jacket-looking collar. When she was in the full bikini. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like there was a mid-collar yeah, between the two. Yeah, there were some two. other ones. Yeah. Well, then she had to wear some, like, non-revealing costumes for the second half of the movie. And yes. They she had... still had collars, but the collars were, were less flamboyant. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really didn't do her any favors in the second half of the movie. But, no, no. Eh, costuming. but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, yes. So they go to their respective prison colonies, I guess. And we see her hauling around big round balls of something and throwing them in holes. Yeah. Everybody else is dressed in prison garb. <laughs> like rags. Right. And she's dressed in Nothing. sexy boots and a, a leather bikini. Yes. Um, 
You would think that they would be like, here's a, a shift. And her hair looked great. It really did. And her eyes were perfect she, smoky eye. Perfect you know, smoky eye. Lovely lips, everything play, mm-hmm. everything really put together. <laughs> She's struggling around. It's this little this little like bridge. Like it's got little steps and it's like the, the set it was interesting, you know, it had little little steps going up and then a hole in the middle of the floor, which you had to walk around mm-hmm. because if you didn't you'd probably fall through you'd, that hole. You'd fall into, into the set. Right, which would be yeah, it, you know, it's supposed to be some nuclear reactor or something, you know, of that something. nature. I thought for sure the first time I saw this that somebody was going to get pushed in the hole because I was like, "Up, oh, there's a hole in a reactor, and like the bad guy is going to be, you know, you're gonna push him in the hole." It's a distraction. Yeah, no, it's not. She just breaks out. It's like, you know, like a punch fest, mm-hmm. and then she's rescued. Well, she's rescued, but it's kind of unclear as to who's rescuing her because she 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 escapes from the prison colony because they start a fight and everyone dies except her. People yeah. the, people who have been slaves for many years are like finally like, oh, a gun. I can maybe make it to freedom and then immediately pew, get... Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, they immediately get shot by the, the Imperial Guards or whoever the fuck they are. Yeah. And so she runs out and it's a field. It's open field with green, green grass. And she's running and she has a gun. And then suddenly a spaceship just lands. Then a spaceship lands. So, yeah, so she's running, running into a green, green field with her space gun. In her leather bikini. And then all of a sudden, a spaceship just parks itself in front of her and opens its little, you know, uh, causeway to allow her to get on. Does she know who this is? No, she doesn't know who this is. Does she get on the ship anyway? Of course, because you can't look a gift spaceship in the mouth. Well, it's better than having to put spheres down a hole. That's true. (laughs) Suffer the sting of their space whips or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, whatever. They had guns, but there was some talk of like space space whips. whips. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd like a couple of space whips, please. That would be great. Space whip? Yeah. Space whip? (laughs) Two space whips? Two space whips. Yeah. Uh, And who's in it but the two guys that were trying to catch her in the first place that put her in jail. So this sort of eliminates the need for the first 20 minutes of the film. Yeah, because they're like, hey, we're your friends now. Yeah. You're not in jail anymore. Oh, by the way, here's Marjo Gortner. He comes out like a little platform, comes out of the ground. Hey, I'm here. And it's like, wait, you guys were our enemies. And it's like, nah, we got orders from the emperor. We need to bring you in. So so we got to go see the emperor now. Escaped again, Stella Star. Yep. Mm. So then they go to meet the emperor. And, you know, when they when you say, like, let's go meet the emperor, you assume that, like, you're going to have an audience with him where he's there in front of you. They got to fly to a planet to meet the emperor. Who's on a ship. Who's on a ship. Who doesn't see them. No, he's like a 3D projection of, of the Emperor. Right. She's like a, he's like a hologram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if, if we're taking beats from Star Wars, this would be the, the Ben Kenobi beat, right? Right. Help us, Ben Kenobi. You're our only hope. Right. right. Except it's Christopher Plummer, and he's basically in a room sort of just staring at things and talking. Yes, and he tells them the plot of the rest of the movie. Which is, my son crashed somewhere. I need you to find him. Also... The evil count, not Darth Vader, is trying... His name is Zarth Arn. Yes. Zarth Arn. Or just Joe Spinell screaming. Joe Spinell, yeah. It's more Joe Spinell. <laughs> we got a Marjo Gortner and a Joe Spinell. We can't, we can't use their regular names. Wow. Their yeah. movie names. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, go find the mysterious planet and then also find my son. So you got two, you got two quest points. I've, I've got a question mark over my head, but you get two for one. <laughs> two for two one. Two for one. Yeah. 
also investigate the 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 red dots of of brain the, the red brain, monster brain, dots brain scrambles and when we we say monster dots like we do see them when the ship initially gets attacked at the very beginning it kind of looks like when you have like one of those um those overhead projector screens and you just drop some like red food coloring on it and then kind of blow it around with the straw yeah it's kind of like really low low rent fuzzy mm-hmm. stuff they they also use like it looks like melted wax and, and things in the backgrounds. It's uh, yeah yeah. It, uh, one of the things that's cool about this movie we didn't talk about was is the lighting and the colors, which are very intense everywhere in this film. Yes, and like the background is red and the foreground is green and lit lit from the sides with blue and and. Yep. Somebody got their gel book out and we're like, let's find some really really bright colors that I can't use on theater stages. Yeah. Ah, there it is. That green that makes everyone look sick. We'll right. just put that up against the wall it'd be right. great and then there were like like in the in the court scene and everything there were these composite shots where there was like looked like red core puzzles from fantastic voyage you know mm-hmm. floating past them that's in true. the background uh it was you know it looked i guess it looked kind of cool but it was cheap and it didn't, it didn't really work Look, but, but they got their they got their quest right they got they got a two-part quest part one part two find the planet find the sun come back get All rewarded right. question mark all right end of act one beginning of act two Great. Let's go find the missing ship. We've only got three to look for, uh, and he's in, you know, it's in one of them. Right, there's three. So we're going to the Haunted Stars, because that sounds spooky. Are there any ghosts? No. Are there things like alien ghosts? No. Why are we calling them the Haunted Stars? Don't know. So other people can't get there and do the job instead of these two rascals. Because spooky. So as Eric said, there's three places that they could go. And thankfully, the script and the the movie has decided to eliminate two of them immediately. We've been here, and we've been here. Mm -hmm. So now we only have one other place to go. Right. Which is there. Well, it's the planet of the Amazon women is where they go. Right. They find a crashed spaceship on the planet and get taken prisoner by the Amazon women. Yes. Who are all very young, very lithe very yeah, it's, it's, very scantily clad. Yeah, it's the it's the most uh, salacious part of the movie, if we could call it that. To me, it looks very uh, tame and and well nowadays, and sure. School. Well, I mean, even for the seventies, if you look at something like Barbarella, there it was sexy on purpose. This was just like a bunch of half naked girls pushing one another around. If that's your thing, then I mean, whatever. But it wasn't like there was no like actual sexiness going on. No, I suppose not. But I mean, you know. You had a lot of they look. The Amazons had much more practical shoes than Stella Star did. Yeah, yeah. Well, Carolyn Monroe is almost naked at this point because she's just got the bikini top and the bikini bottom and the. Well, black. that's her adventuring clothes. That's right. <laughs> Those extra yeah. straps just get in the way. Eric. That's right. When you go down to a planet, you got to wear even less clothing. You, it, you look, know. no clothes. If she could get away with no clothes, that'd be great. But she's got to, you know, she's got to, she's got to keep the keep the stardust out somehow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she goes to get. The, Okay, so, so they go to, she and Elle go on this little right. trip together. Her and... Marjo, Elle the robot. Marjo stays on the ship. Because he, that's what he does. Yeah. He, he doesn't go out. He doesn't adventure. Yeah. Like no. in the, um, uh, what was it, the, the, first, the first Star Wars prequel where you have uh, uh, Obi-Wan is like sitting in the ship like the whole time. Like, oh, we have trouble. Oh, these midichlorian readings are off the charts. That's an excellent accent. Yeah. Slash impression, Eric. I'm doing the best I can. I know. I'm and just then, saying. You know, you got Liam Neeson doing all the discovering. It's just sort of the same here. You've got uh, uh, 
Marjo Gortner in the ship going like, oh, this is happening, that's happening. And you got damn L the robot going, well, gee, I don't know what to think. I'm so scared, I'm uh, going to going to wet my pants or you know whatever robot says yeah unfortunately that impression eric has pretty much hit dead on that's how the robot talks the whole movie yeah well yeah. i'm not a professional actor I'm no actor. but you did a very good l the robot thank you you're thank welcome you. you're welcome so yeah so they're like amazons let's go get them and the amazons capture them of course because alien amazons and they drag them into the Amazon headquarters, but not that Amazon headquarters. Not it doesn't have stuff. <laughs> it just has more Amazon ladies. Yeah, and there is a queen of the Amazons who is very angry because she's on the Count's side, not the Emperor's side. Okay, and she's like, "I don't like you guys trying to find the Count. You'll never find his planet. Uh, he's I'm I'm good with him. I got laser eyeballs somehow, and I'm gonna kill you guys." And then they run away. And then they run away. There's a there's a there's a laser battle fight like like a gun like L shows up with a gun. Right. Oh, I got a gun here. Oh, yes. We'll, we'll, and he starts shooting yeah. shooting women who then start screaming and running around. Yeah. And then of course Stella and L run away, and the Amazon Queen is like, "I will, uh, I will start my guardian monster robot beast to take care of them." Yeah, it's like a giant golem. And then the worst, like, Harryhausen knockoff piece of shit starts... Stop motion robot. Like, sta- oh. like a, it's like a like a standing figure it's with bad. boobs. It has boobs because it's an Amazon guardian. Right. Uh, it looks like... When I was a kid, I used to have this stuff called Sculpey, which was like clay that you would then put in the oven and you could bake. But, like, it had that lumpy quality that Sculpey had. Like, you like, kind of lump it all together and make it look sort of like a female robot with boobs. They did a really poor job with that. Well, uh, and, and even just the animating of it, because, like, you know, I mean, even the Harry Hasn stuff has a little bit of a jerk, you know, sort of stop thing going to it. But yeah. at least it was, if it was walking somewhere, it walked in the same direction. It didn't kind of get stuck and, like, twirl around and... Yeah, it was not like the, it was not as good as Jason and the Argonauts or anything. Oh no, that stuff's great. I love yeah. that stuff. Yeah, but it chases them around for a while and then it falls over. <laughs> it just dies. falls over. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it gets hit from. Maybe the spaceship shoots it, or maybe maybe I can't. We don't remember. even remember because it was it was just the worst. It's like out there for a few minutes. It's I, like, no, I think L shoots it with his laser yeah. and it falls over. I've seen better effects on the old Doctor Who than this. I will that that was the thing that I just kept thinking about while we were watching this. It was like the longest Doctor Who episode that everybody would forget about watching. It's it's like one of the Doctor's companions goes out with 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 a thing with a thing and and has some adventures. Right. And, uh, you know, she's got plot armor. And of course. And 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 if it was a Doctor Who episode from like one of the, you know, like the first few Doctors where they were essentially just raiding the costume closet, you know, behind the, the BBC then yeah, this would be perfectly fine. Uh, well, if it was an early Doctor Who project, she would have been taken captive by the Amazons, and then she would have infiltrated the Amazons and found out what their political situation was and That's made true. friends with a few of them and then helped them to achieve they were out of some element or something that they needed and he would help them. And you know, It would go into a story that was like more human-oriented and less episodic. So the first step, like, so first quest... Down. First spaceship, down. Right. They right. found they found the first crashed spaceship. There's nobody alive. It's like totally 
it's done mashed so it's, it's totally like done. okay so we got to go into the the we got to go past the thing into the haunted stars into the middle of the haunted star whatever nebula yeah thing heart, the heart of the haunted stars i think right. is what he called it and then they land on the ice planet right yeah and and now you know stella's got to cover up a little bit because it's snowing outside and even an intrepid space captain a bikini wearer like herself knows that you don't want to get frostbit while you're you're you know gallivanting around on the ice planet, right? That's true. So she's wearing a bikini underneath a plastic, transparent plastic suit. Yes, right? because nothing says sexy like wearing a ziplock bag. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of those weight loss things that they used to put you in. Oh yeah, years they, ago, so you just like sweat. Commercial on TV. You can lose five pounds of water in just one day. Ugh. Yeah. And their boots are squishing, you know. I, I can't even imagine that plastic. That would be just like the worst. Ad. Like she went from. I'm sure that wearing those bikinis all the time, she's probably freezing all the time, even if it was hot and sweaty in those sets. But then having to wear essentially like a a body condom, like I can't even imagine even getting out to have to pee or something during shooting. Yeah. Must have been a pain in the oh, ass. Man. So they found another. They find another crash ship, but it's like there's body parts all over the place, and it's like, well, this is fucked. Right. And then they go back. But it turns out Robert Tessier has taken command of the ship and abandons them there on the frozen planet to die. Ha ha ha. Yes. There's like a, a fight between him and Marjo Gordner, which is a lot of like the cheesiest judo chops. Like the fighting in this movie is awful. It's just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's so much of it. Yeah. It's, it's like it, they put the actors out there and said, just. Just fight, fight. You know, fight. Do your best. You know, just. uh, Do you know how to stage fight? Like karate chop him a few times. It'll be fine. Yes, you know. Yeah, like oh, it's so bad. Uh, Yes, so uh, Marjorie Gortner is is dead in quotation marks. He gets yeah, like cold cocked by the other guy. And Robert Tessier is like, ha ha ha! I wasn't on your side, then I was on your side. Now I'm not on your side again. Goodbye. Die in the snow. And then he reports in to the count. Right. Who yells in dramatic fashion for a while. Yeah, you're late. Get here. We need to do a thing. You know, I'm make sure that Stella Star is dead and she'll never foil my plans again. Wahaha. Twirls the cape. Right. Blah, 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 right. Yes. And so they both, Al the robot and Stella Star, pass out in the field of snow. And uh, apparently she's going to freeze to death. And uh, But there's magic. There's space magic. Yes. If she robot holds, magic. She holds the robot's hand and somehow that. It like, puts her in suspended animation. Yeah. So she won't die. No, she'll just get a face full of snow. She just gets snowed on for a while. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, that that whole uh, uh, mutiny on the ship and going—that's all undone. You know, it's a. Uh, uh, so for for like. Gortner wakes up and, and, and knocks the other guy in the head, knocks Tessier on the head, and takes the ship and goes back and is like, "Oh, well, sorry, we left you there overnight." Remember, this is the moment where like we we start to find out that that. Uh, Marjo Gortner's character is maybe not entirely human. Oh, yeah, because the fight he has with Robert Tessier. So he has a fight, and they're fighting, and Robert Tessier pulls out a, a space pistol and shoots him. And most of the time in this movie, up to this point, if you get shot with a space laser pistol, you just immediately cease to exist. Yeah, you disappear. It's just one of those, disappear. Like, yeah, I think they had those on, on various different sci-fi things. Like yeah, you, no, like no. I think in Star Trek, if you turned it up, you know, you could to shoot like, somebody and they would eradicate. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's stun, there's kill, and there's eradicate. There's just blast atoms out of existence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So up till this point, if you get shot with a space laser, you just cease to exist. Except now, 
you know, uh, uh, he's getting shot multiple times, and Marjorie Gorton is just like, you can shoot me all you want, but nothing I will happen. I have Jesus on my side. Well, apparently Space Jesus was with him, Yeah, which means Neil Breen was in the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Space Jesus. Oh, my. That's a weird crossover right there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, so he's getting shot with a space laser and, like, punched and stuff. And, like, he's just like, no, you cannot do what you're trying to do to me. You cannot kill me. And then he takes him out. And then... Uh, well, he reflects a laser back into his face. That's true. He's like, oh, like you cannot shoot me anymore. And he holds up his hand. And uh, Tessier shoots him in the hand. And it bounces back and hits him in the head. Dead. Yep. Dis- he didn't disappear. He didn't disappear because he just wound up. Well, it was the energy was absorbed a little bit by Marjo. Right, that's true. So it came back to him. In so like you can't eradicate form. him. No, no. It was, yeah, yeah. I guess that's how it works. It doesn't matter because we're not supposed to think about that. We want to. We're worried about a frozen Stella star. Right, She's starsicle. Right. right now. So he like. I guess he just turns like the outdoor like speaker on and is like, "Okay, you can come back on the ship now." Yeah. So right. they they drag her frozen her frozen uh, suspended animated body back onto the ship. She's completely covered in frost, and then Marjo Gortner uses the power of robotic Jesus Jesus <laughs> or alien Jesus. It's un it's unclear. For those of you who haven't listened to our original Marjo Gortner episode, he was a child preacher, a, a, a evangelical preacher about Jesus. So yes, that's, and he that's would lay jokes. he would lay on hands and yeah. he would like right. you know cure people of their. Whatever disorders that they had, including but suspended animation. This apparently, is, there's not a Jesus movie, so there's no actual. That's Jesus true. It's just movie. space. It's the force. Radi- it's the. <laughs> it's something. It's rainbow. Yeah. That this part I believe is drawn. Yeah. And they oh, yeah. they they picked every color that they had in their pencil cup, and they made it rainbows, rainbow waves of healing. Right, and then she thought micro. Like, they're basically mi- microwave. Yeah, it's her. like microwave on defrost <laughs> yes. setting. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You see her face, and it's like this time lapse thing of the makeup coming off of her face, which is reversed. It was obviously shot in the other direction. Yes, them putting makeup on her face, and after she's thawed out, she's still got lipstick and eyeliner, and her hair is perfect. Of course, you know, but uh, uh, maybe maybe a little bit worse for wear. Well, her hand is all wet. So oh, you know yeah. that all of the, the snow just melted right off of her onto her hand. Right. That's true. Because it's dripping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a gross way to wake up. It's like you fell asleep in the snow holding a robot's hand, and then you wake up and you're dripping wet, and, and your friend is microwaving you with his rainbow powers. Yeah, yeah. She winds up like a, a multipass, Lilu multipass, <laughs> multipass. Like, like in the little chamber. Yeah, although that's that was true. like what did they use like a little rock or something? To they had the, yes, they had the magic rocks in Fifth Element. Yeah, they had yeah. air, they had earth, yeah. they had fire, and, and the a, Fifth Element was love. Was yes or something? <laughs> I don't remember. Right, but they put a rock in the in the in thing, the hole in the in the thing, and it made a girl out of a rock. Yes, yeah, but this one was not like that. She no. just defrosted. She just defrosted. Like, so now they're like okay. okay, like two down out of three. If when we find the next one, we know you know it's like it's guaranteed to be the one. We got to keep going. Either we're gonna find what we're gonna find, or there's gonna be nothing there. So they fly their ship to option three, the end. And as they fly their ship into what inevitably must be the final moment of their quest, the red monster globs appear and attack them. Through oh, their ship. Oh, no, it's the one that killed the guy that they found on the ship that she flew a while, swam through space to get. Yeah. It's the terrible red monsters. Well, it doesn't affect Marjo Gordner at all. No. He is unaffected. Right. 
And it does affect both the robot, L and the person, Stella. So Tessier's dead. So we he's, he, it, well, it might have affected him, but you know what? They threw him out of the ship. To they, freeze, yeah, yeah, they just airlocked yeah, him. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, why keep why keep a dead body in in the in the you know the cockpit? No reason. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants that. So Ma- maybe red, Klingons. Maybe the red Klingons. monster attack. So the ship goes rocks back and forth, and like scary music plays, and everybody holds their head and goes, "Ah, the monsters." The That's monsters. how you know the monsters are in your brain. Yeah, they didn't have money for real monsters. No, so they, they sure didn't. Did. <laughs> like, but I did. Oh. I did like that. After the monsters attacked, they very deliberately showed like a, an exterior shot of the ship where the little red energy globs kind of like come out a port they're like bloop 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 yeah like little globules Uh uh-huh and it's like oh i guess they went away yeah yeah it would have been cool if they had like actual red monsters you know and they they came out and like they had like on star trek they had like fingers with suction cups and they put it on your head like there would be like some suction or like i mean sort of like brainwave activity they would feed off or maybe a floating brain or something like that. Well, I'm always know? in favor of floating brains. I think floating well, brains... Well, there is a floating brain. Well, it's not floating. It's a giant brain like sitting on a lump in, in the ship that they're in, like controlling the ship, like ship's computer. I, I feel like it's more like a... It looks to me like an igloo. I, it had like blue and red veins and stuff on it. I though, thought it was just because it had like little like bricks. It could... I, you know what? It's like... Leave it up to the imagination. That's I true. Mean, every great movie has like they didn't moments. spend a lot of time pointing it out. Listen, it's not important because you know they didn't think I, it was. It seemed like a brain to me, but it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was, would have been much cooler if it had been in like very identifiable brain. That would have been cool with like yeah. some tentacles, yeah. like little googly eyes and little glasses on it. I mean, I love a googly eye too. Yeah, I mean, it, it might have been too silly though for the movie, right? But right. I, I do love a googly eye. So off they. So the red monsters defeated. Now they got to land on the planet. So, right. So Stella Star goes down to the planet. There is one thing, though, that we discover before Stella goes traipsing off onto the planet. What is that? Marjo Gortner can see the future. Oh, yeah. That's one of his alien powers. Why can he see the future? Not explained. Yeah, if, yeah he said, like, I can see the future, but I can't tell you because that would destroy space and time. Well, and it would be against the law. And against the law. That was like the, the like number one against the law. Right. Number two. That didn't seem to bother him before when he was a space pirate. No, like, no, yeah. no. I, I don't know not. what he had to explain away. I'm not sure what the the point of like like I can see the like what what did he avoid because we could see the future. He avoided Tessier taking off with the ship. Because he had taken out essentially like oh remove the spark plug it's like uh, yeah. from uh, uh, Sound of Music when the nun takes a thing out of the Nazi's car right right yeah well so it ties together with Sound of Music right Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer yeah. yes yeah. oh, oh man I wish the Emperor had been an all singing role that would have been amazing la 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 yeah but it's not it's not oh the, man could you could Professor you Professor Von Trapp or whatever he was in the movie I'm just picturing though if Starcraft I'm just picturing. If Star Crash was a musical, that would have been amazing. You could have had a David Hasselhoff, Christopher Plummer duet as the Emperor and the Prince. Oh, well, you know what? We're both musically inclined and, and, and you gifted uh, writer. You could uh, you could write a duet for us and we could sing it. All of the Count's like tirades would just be these amazing screaming arias. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, if this was like totally operatic where there's like all recitatives and stuff, like no, we no could, dialogue. We could dress him like Guillermo del Toro was at the Oscars to like oh my God. heighten that, oh heighten my God. the Count's look a little bit. I saw that picture this week. <laughs> I liked it. Hey, I, you know, I he looked he, like Gomez Adams. He did. In a dress. Well, he, I think, I thought he looked like a very handsome Gomez Adams. Yes. And I was fine with that. I think that I think he I think he looked really great. I think you know if you were going to be Guillermo del Toro and you want to show up at the fucking Oscars and get talked about, you you dress like that. Yes, yes. Did he need a crushed red velvet cape like the Count? Perhaps. Oh yeah. Maybe count. yes. Maybe a little bit of a bigger collar, but that's for the space version of Guillermo del Toro at the Oscars. Yeah. In any case, Marjo Gortner can see the future. So does this ever come up again? No. No. I, I, I guess that this was part of an early draft. Every time this, these kinds of like threads show up in a movie and somebody says something that just makes no sense, it's like they had to use that to explain some other part of the plot, but that part they couldn't really cut out yeah. because it wouldn't make sense. So they just, just kind of leave it in. Oh, I can see the future and this and that and the other thing. Oh, okay. That was to clear up some other plot thing that they ended up on the floor on the cutting room floor. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure it just it's it's just like a really weird thing to bring up and then completely drop. Right. So this time though, we get uh, uh, Stella Star. Stella Star is like okay, I got- and Marjo Gortner go down to the planet, right? No, I think it's just Stella first because okay. she's like she's. Well, he she, shows up later. Then. He yeah. shows up later with his light. Well, not a lightsaber. It's not a lightsaber. But it's it's a, it's a photon sword. It's a yeah. It's a light baton. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a it's an flashlight elect- baton. An electromagnetic scythe. It's a a, a zap rapier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, a, yeah. yeah. So she's like, okay, uh, I'm in my uh, my second half of the movie adventuring gear, which is basically like a silver. Um, gymnastics outfit or like ice skating outfit that has a tiny little skirt to it, but not much. Everybody and, else has a red triangle on their crotch except for her. Yeah, at some point she has red triangles on her crotch, but okay. not in the second half of the no, movie. No. no, in the second half of the movie she's basically like um, uh, tinfoil. It's got like little flaps along the bottom. Right, that's what I'm almost thinking. Like with the with the uh, Amazons were wearing, they had like a little. But she's wearing flap she's wearing things. horrible tights that like it, she she is dressed like a five year old at a ballet <laughs> recital. <laughs> I mean, it's really. I didn't think of that. Yeah, she's like that's like a little girl costume. Yes, yeah. she went from being like hypersexual to being like completely infantile. In the yeah. course of one movie, yeah, I mean, it looks like it looks like normal space clothes from Star Trek. Or sure, something, you know, if, with if like that a had, little, like a cute little dress on top. If that had been the consistent look throughout the movie, then I would be like, okay, that's what women wear. But it wasn't. Also, it takes away a lot, you know a lot of the appeal of the movie when you don't see all that skin because because she, like, she looks great in the first half of this film. Like I do her, like she's yeah, yeah she I, no she looks really she really looks great. really really good and and seeing her half naked like distracts you from all the garbage in the movie. Well, now she looks like she's having like, fun in the second half of the movie. It looks like somebody was just like put on a coat before you go outside. Okay. <laughs> So she's in action mode. She's gonna. She's you know. She's looking. She finds the. She finds the caves. She finds the caves. And, amazing caves. We don't know where it was shot. Well, she was with L, uh-huh. and they're 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 down on the. Uh, they're the, spelunking. They're spelunking, right. and they get attacked by a group of uh, troglodytes. Troglodytes. Yeah. But they're basically just unwashed men with sticks. Well, they're like yeah, they're like mutant cavemen with little. 
bikini fur bottoms or something like little... yeah they're less clothed than she is yeah and they completely destroy l yeah yeah <laughs> poor l he's he's dis- disintegrated into parts he's not disintegrated he's just pummeled Ex- he's into, exploded he's exploded into parts but then the Marjo ca- shows up with his... No, no, no. Marjo is no. not there yet. Oh, yeah. That's the exciting part. That's the only part I remember. So she gets captured, and then she's hung upside down by her ankles. So she's hung upside down by her ankles, and a mysterious stranger wearing a, a tinfoil mask helmet shows up, and he laser eyeballs all the troglodytes. Pew, 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 pew. And so they, the ones that aren't just straight up killed, they, they run away. And uh, he comes sauntering down to her and is like, hello, here, I'll cut you down. Uh, and our big reveal is he takes off his zappy eyeballed space helmet and we discover... It's David Hasselhoff. Mitch von Malibu. A young Mitch von Malibu. Yeah, I think this is one of his very first movies. Baby Mitch. Yeah. He has very fluffy hair. And... Uh, <laughs> Don't hassle off. I know. Yeah. He's not in this movie for very long because there's only a couple of scenes left that he shows up for. But uh, He's a similar hairdo to Marjo, actually. Except not as cur- Like, he doesn't yeah. have the curls. Well, you, like, if you had to, like, grade curly hair, like, Marjo is like a four and, and Hasselhoff is like a three. Out of? Out of, like, I would say, like, out of out of five. Five, like yeah. Five, like, like uh, that's not like a, like an Afro hair. But, right, I mean, sure. like, you, you have white people hair. Um, okay. You know, like you could get like even tighter curls. Sure. But Marjo's almost to the tightest curls you get. That's true. I would say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now they get attacked again by more troglodytes because you know whatever. That's when Marjo shows up with oh, his oh with his photon saber and with his yes his totally not trademark infringing light beam pencil thing. Yeah. And he zaps a bunch of them. Oh, but so he gets killed in the process. No, he doesn't get killed in the process. I thought he got killed in the process. No, no, not oh, yet. Oh, I gave away spoilers. No, I gave away the movie. So yes, so he saves them, and then they're like, "Okay, well now, what do we do now?" And he's like, "Well, you found the secret hidden planet because of prophecies about two warring tribes and blah de blah and things that no one was paying attention to because." that did not deserve it in this movie. Yeah, there was no big bad hanging out there either. No, and they were like, well, what do we do now? And he's like, well, we're going to go to the room where the stuff is. And he's like, "Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The room with the stuff is basically, it's a long room with a bunch of glass domes that have electric things going on inside of them that they have to turn off for reasons that will then blow up the planet. Yeah. So it's like, well, okay, how did you know all that? Oh, wait, Marjo can see into the future, and therefore we don't have to explain all of these things, I guess. Ah, so it does pay off. I guess. I don't know. They don't really go into it a lot. Uh, But then the Count shows up with all of his bad guys, and that's when Marjo... Oh, yeah, Marjo dies. Yeah. He gets shot. He He gets, like, shot in the arm, and then immediately he's like, well, I'm going to die now. Yeah. But when is it revealed that he's a robot? I don't think it's ever officially revealed that he's a robot. Wow. I think he's supposed to be an alien. Oh, okay. But they never explain it. They never explain why he could absorb those bolts some no. of the time. Mm-mm. Maybe it was Jesus. Who Maybe knows? space Jesus. Yeah. 
I mean, but he, he's like, oh, I'm going to die. You must go on without me. It's like you, we shot, you shot in the arm, dude. We just yeah, you're fine. You didn't disappear. No, no, I must stay behind and die because I need a glorious death. And they're like, come on, man. Really, you helped us out. We really you're still you. talking like, to us. Only got like three it's, people. It's here. a flesh I mean, wound. So we got to fight a whole army. There's of like people. a bunch of guys. You got just... a laser sword. No, 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 no. I must now fade into oblivion, and then the animation takes over. Yeah, yeah. But then the the in the same room because we don't have any more sets, just this room, and then one other room. Uh, the emperor shows up to collect his son. And this is where the movie, I mean, the movie up to this point has been essentially children playing pretend space Star Wars. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But they show up and they're like, but we turned the machines off. Everyone's going to die. Emperor, you're going to get exploded because we only have 45 seconds to get off the planet. Well, oh, they've written themselves backed into a corner now. They're going to come up with some really clever way to like so that they can escape in 45 seconds because it's you know don't you worry son says the emperor i can stop time as an emperor i have a few special benefits one of them is stopping time it's like dude if you could have stopped time like you could have literally probably fixed everything by yourself I think, well, he could only stop time for 47 seconds or something. Three three minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> three, minutes. <laughs> three minutes. Like a, like boiling an egg. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We can cook eggs and then start time again and have them for the party. Yeah. Have a nice soft yolk. Uh, so so they're like, oh, well, three minutes should be enough time to get off the planet. And so they do. They all, f- they stop time and fuck off. And Stop time. I and forgot the, about that. And that then is they, the dumbest thing ever. They fly like, away and like the planet said, explodes like behind them. Kids playing. It's exactly right. It's like, oh, you know, Ma, we finally trapped you. <laughs> but no. I can stop time. Wait, what? what? <laughs> and then the kid in the corner who's playing Marjorie Gortner is like, I can see into the future. I knew that. <laughs> You're dead. Shut up. <laughs> Deaded you. And you would think, well, the planet's been exploded. The evil plot has been foiled. The movie must be over, right? No, no. We need a battle with the Count. Oh, and, r- really? Uh, yeah. Well, Joe Spinell's got to come out and do some acting. He and, and, and man, this is the best part of the movie. I mean, it's a, it's so boring because nothing happens. The but, fight is boring, but yeah. there's so many weird things that happen during it that are amazing. So yeah. The first of which is his dramatic cape twirls and flourishes. I don't know if it was just like they gave him the cape to work with and he was like, God damn it, I'm going to make as much cape action as I can with this. But it's amazing. He's so good. Well, Joe, Joe Spinell has got like dad bod plus. Oh, right? yeah. And, and, they, and, they and, so, and, him. and they clothed him in tight leather. Head to toe. Head to toe. Mm-hmm. Um, which if he just came out marching out in that tight leather outfit, it might look maybe a little silly. But they put a red cape on him. Velvet and, cape. And how, somehow it's more silly and less silly at the same time. Oh, it's like the most diva, like... It's, it's like a Dracula cape. It, it, yeah, it is. It's amazing. But it's, it's like, really thin, like those capes you get from Spirit Halloween show, uh, stores. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So, and he's sweaty and his hair is all plastered down because I guess that was the look they were going for. Yeah. And so the emperor of the of the universe has decided we must attack while he is distracted. I don't know. He's flying in his hand ship. Oh, yeah. You got to talk about the hand ship. He's got a hand ship. <laughs> Just I, well, there it. you go. That's, that's you. it. He's got it. His ship is shaped like a hand, a human hand with five fingers and 
and when like th- like action is supposed to happen, those fingers on the hand on the whole ship like close up into a fist. Yeah, they turn into a fist. But ship. Does, it, does it does it punch things or no. anything? Is it like mm. jets at the wrist where it would like have like no? Mm-hmm. It's just floating, and the fingers are either open or closed. Look, the guy that was making those models was like, "Hey guys, guys, okay, so I made a bunch of shitty models, but like this one, this one's cool. Look what it can do." And yeah. they were like, "Well, okay, sure." Yeah. Is that my tape dispenser? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they had uh, uh, gotten a copy of that Dune book, and they were looking oh, at that. Yeah. Like, there was supposed to be a spaceship with a tongue that came out. That's right. Know, right. I think it was the Harkonnen ship was yeah. supposed to be like that. Yeah. yeah. And so they saw that and like, well, you know, we can't really do a face with a tongue, but we can do a hand. So there's, there's this hand ship floating in space. and they, uh, uh, <sighs> So then the stupidest war happens. But one of the stupidest of the stupidest war things is that... Instead of, like, teleporting people onto the ship to fight or to somehow, like, board them with, like, like a cool, like... Yeah, so the Emperor's ship, the, the good guy Emperor's ship shows up with the army. With the army, right. And, and, and so the bad guy's got the hand ship. They got the hand ship. And now there's going to be Fighting. a star crash. S- space war. Space wars. So instead of getting the guys over onto the hand ship in a way that makes sense... They'd shoot the people into the handship in torpedoes. Little suppositories. <laughs> yes. And the handship has a, just a remarkable number of glass windows that the, the harpoons just go straight through, which seems like a safety problem on a spaceship. Like well, if, if, if I was a soldier, I wouldn't want to climb into one no! of those capsules. You could just... Like, just good luck. Yeah, hope, have fun. Hope you hit a window. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> hope you don't just like... Bounce off. Bounce off and fly space. into space and die with your they buddy didn't there. They not to be powered in any way. I think they were just No, injected. they're just projectiles. Yeah. Oh, my this God. This is not a good space war tactic, guys. No. Don't do that. Yeah. That's bad. But they get a remarkable amount of their soldiers on the plane. And on, all on of the plane, them. On the hand. On the, yes, on yes. the hand. Where is that foggy plane? And all of them die because, the number one, the deployment method is really very ineffective. And number two... The Count's army is just waiting for these things to come crashing through well, the, the windows. Count, count, count tells them what to do. That's true. He does. He what said, does he say? Kill. 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 Fight. Kill. Shoot. Fight. Kill. 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 And I have to imagine that was just the director being like, so Joe, we don't really have a script for you here. Um, you can ad lib some things. Just, you know, like some some commands or something. Yes. Laugh maniacally. And, yes. And gesture everywhere. There was a lot of cape swirling and just screaming kill at people. Yeah. Uh, yes. You and- also saw his weird dentures up close in one of the scenes where they get close to his face. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Joe Spinell has got, like I said, he's got an interesting face. He's not a handsome dude. And uh, he obviously has dentures in. And he's like, when he laughs, you can see like this like weird pink plastic dentures in there. Like, ugh, gross. Nobody, look, in those days, nobody ever thought anyone was going to ever see this movie again. It was going to go and play in some theaters, and then we're going to bring it to America, and then we're going to make some money, and then it was going to go into the back of a truck and then wind up in some warehouse somewhere. No, but there there were, like, the the first days of video cassettes and stuff were coming out in the late 70s. But nobody thought that anyone was ever going to see this. So a lot of these things, these these little glaring things, and, and, like, if it was projected on a drive-in screen, you wouldn't see that. No. On a high-def TV, you you can see his dentures. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah. I, it, I'm not taking any points away. <laughs> and to be fair, this this movie was actually kind of an experiment. Corman was interested to see if, like, space opera was something that people wanted more of. 
Because Star Wars came out and people really liked it, but it was like, well... Well, that's just a one-off. Right. Is it a one-off or is it something that people really want to see? So he made this movie and it made a modest amount of money. He was happy with how it turned out and it ended up being the sort of like launching point for a movie called Battle Beyond the Stars. Yeah, something beyond the, something beyond the stars. Yes, Battle Beyond the Stars. Battle which came, of the Network Stars. <laughs> Battle of the Network Stars, which Marjorie Gortner was a, a regular feature on. Yeah, well, he could probably battle those network stars pretty it's well. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Joyce DeWitt could <laughs> team up. Oh, my you know, God. And fight Chrissy. Anyway, <laughs> it's not important. Um, so Joe Spinell is, like, left alone on his ship. Well, no, he still has most of his army because, remember, they had those cool bat guns. Oh, right. They've got guns with bat wings glued onto them for They're some huge. Reason. They look kind of like crossbows, but yeah, they're not crossbows. They're sort of like Chewbacca's cross, laser crossbow. Yeah, somebody like was just fu- wings fucking there. around in the props department and was like, this looks cool, but it's really impractical. And they're like, we'll take three of those and then yeah. four of those over there. Bat wings. We'll find some use for them. We'll glue them onto a gun. So, so we cut back to the Emperor's like assembly hall whatever and i do have to say whoever designed the throne for the emperor did a fantastic job it's really cool it's very spacey has a lot of stars on it christopher Plummer does not get up off of it the entirety of the time that all of the people are assembled in his little chamber so it must have been comfortable either that or he saw himself sitting on it and he was like okay that looks kind of regal i I said mid-century modern while i was watching it but it's much more like art deco it's more art deco yeah Yeah. no I, i would agree so they're, they're, it's like the chamber of disappointment because they're like, oh, well, we were sure that this torpedo attack with all of our men would be a way to destroy the count. Surely we're destroyed now. We yes. can't look into the future anymore. <laughs> yes. As if that, I mean, that might have helped, but. How would we ever know? It didn't help. Well, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're racing to the end of the third act here. We got to do something. And that something is called. Star Crash. Bum, bum, bum. So what this entails is there is a floating city. How did the floating city get anywhere near this situation? We don't know and we don't need to know. The floating city is made of rainbows, apparently. And also all of the bits of the models that they didn't make the spaceships out of. Like, legitimately, the trash pieces that, you know, hold all the little bits and bobs that you put on your models. They made the city out of those. Yeah, more, yeah. Of, the, more of that junk. There were spray cans on there. That's, I think, where you <laughs> that's saw, where the, I tape, saw the, the tape adhesive. dispenser. Yes, yeah. that's true. That is where I saw the tape dispenser. So what... Stella has to do is she has to fly the city because it's a flying city. She has to fly the city into the Count's handship so that she creates a star crash. A hand job, if you will. <laughs> one of them was the title of the movie and the other one is not. And then she's going to jump out of the floating city and get rescued before it explodes. Why don't they just put it on autopilot and just send it there? I don't know. But they, look, she's the best pilot in the universe. She's the best pilot in the universe, Eric, and she's got to drive the city into a ship. Yeah. You know what you, like as a pilot, you, I don't think there's a whole lot of things you could do to steer that city. I mean, like. It's a city. It's a city. I mean, if you wanted to change directions, it would probably take an hour. You know, to, to, it's space. I don't know. How does space work? Okay, look, I'm not going to start picking on, on nits at this point. I really shouldn't. I'm just taking up So time. she's like, okay. And David Hasselhoff, the prince, is like, no, I won't let you go by yourself. And she's like, that's stupid. Someone has to rescue me when I jump off of the ship. Or I'm sorry, the flying city. And that's your job. You're going to rescue me when I'm floating in space. And he's like, oh, okay. I forgot. I didn't read the script. Um, But I'm not going to let you go alone. And she's like, ugh. You know, I'm, I am the best pilot in the whole world, in the whole universe even. 
And he's like, but look, we've we've reassembled your annoying robot friend, Elle. Well, gosh, I'm here to help you fly the city. And she's so excited about that because... Oh, uh, I never... <laughs> yes, Eric's doing more impressions. Yes. One of them's accurate. Well, gosh darn it. That's the one. So they get in the city, they fly the city into the handship, it explodes, and... <laughs> But right before the explosion, they legitimately just jump out a window. Yeah. <laughs> into space. They, you know, they were able to get away, far enough away from the star crash. Exactly. To do that, you know. Well, and she's swimming in space, I'm sure. Swimming in space. She's swimming, because that's yeah. how space works. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really bizarre. I just thought now, you know, like in one of the Star Wars sequels, uh-huh. like the ending thing is that one admiral decides that she's going to sm- like smash her ship into all the what do they call them the the empire in the sequels they're the, the oh the, the first. first first order she's gonna like and and she's gonna like go like go to to hyperspace or something like right in the middle of their of their fleet uh-huh. and blow them all up so she was actually doing a star crash they actually ripped off star crash oh my star god Wars. well know, that's exactly what happened call star the crash. lawyers star crash has been just occurred to me i just thought it's exactly what happened in that movie and it was like nobody ever thought of doing that before that was the big thing like she sacrificed herself like why did she even need to be on the ship i don't know she had to sacrifice herself well you know why because she didn't have her torpedoes that she could shoot her her men at people yeah yeah Yeah. anywho (laughs) (laughs) so so we have a star crash and then then uh christopher Plummer gets to say some stuff yes and uh, gravitas at the end well Evil is gone from the universe forever. And now we can think of peace and rest for a time. And, and uh, there yeah, you go. And that's, yeah, there's and your there you star go. crash. You're yeah. done. So evil has been destroyed. The ba- balance has been restored through the universe or something somehow. Something. Okay, would you recommend this movie? Oh, fuck no. Oh, really? I would recommend no. it. No. I would recommend it for Bad Movie Night. Okay, yes. For that specific purpose. For Bad Movie Night, it's perfect because it doesn't make any sense. It's kind of stupid, and yeah, I'm saying for like in the purposes of our show, I think it's a good, yeah, it's a good okay. silly movie to watch, but it's not, a, it's not a good movie. At all. I will, no, I will resend my 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 fuck no to just like a eh, meh. I'm gonna give it a meh because here's the thing: some of it was like fun and like campy and kind of kind of silly to make fun of. Like if, if there had been more Joe Joe Spinell, I would have been happier. Because we would have had like a bigger character. Oh yeah, he's great. He's really good. He's great. Uh. Even if there had been like more sad Christopher Plummer like floating around, I would have liked that too. Because well, they only had him a day. Right? <laughs> Look, <laughs> like, you get like a free like free airplane ticket or something. Like uh, I'll be in your movie if you give me a plane ticket to Italy. Yes, he said. I think I think that the quote that I saw was he's like, "I'll go. Uh, I'll I'll do any movie if you send me to Rome. I'll do a porno if you send me to Rome. That's fine." So it was a free trip to Italy, and then they paid him ten thousand dollars a day. They shot almost all of his stuff in one day. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And he, most of it was sitting in a so chair. Most of it was sitting in the fancy chair, yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'll give it I'll give it an okay. I'll give it an okay for those reasons. It was nominated for a Saturn Award. It was. It was nominated at the 7th Annual Saturn Awards for Best International Film. Yeah. So. Yeah. Another tidbit, Eli Roth apparently likes allegedly this film. yes this is supposed to be one of his favorites i don't i don't really understand why tour director and yeah bon vivant mm-hmm. eli roth 
Yes. The only other thing that I did find out is that there was supposed to be a dinosaur sequence and then they took it out. And I was kind of sad about that because oh. I would have liked to see a shitty dinosaur sequence. Well, that shitty, that shitty golem was enough. The hey, shitty golem so, was so enough. So my question is this at the, at the end. If you, had, if you had to be tied down and forced to watch something, would you rather watch this or Things? Oh, man. See? See, it worms its way into your brain. It Megan. does. It I really think it does. I, you know, I think it's a hard choice for me because while this movie is, is a movie with a story that moves from beginning to an end and has characters that do things and have motivations, I did get kind of bored in the middle and I was sort of dozing off. Whereas in things, I was so confused and confounded that it did have my attention the entire time. Agreed 100%. Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. <laughs>